Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest Disney news and interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Have we got the podcast for you. Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. I'm Tony from Good Morning America. And I'm Jeffrey from D23. And together we're taking you Inside Disney. Why, hello there. Well, hello. Well, hello. <laughs> uh, nice to all be back together. Yes, it's back together. Ah, it's been two weeks too long. No. <laughs> what have you been up to? Well, call me Toni Morrison because I got to moderate a press conference. What? <laughs> we yes. love a press event. Yes, I was so honored to moderate the Hollywood Stargirl virtual press conference this week. So we had Grace Vanderwall there, Judy Greer, the director and screenwriter, Julia Hart, all the stars. It was so amazing. And the film itself, I got a sneak peek. You guys, it is so, 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 so phenomenal. I loved the film so much. Incredible music too. I mean, Grace Vanderwall, she wrote an original song for the film. She has more talent in her like pinky fingernail than I do in my whole body. She's so, so spectacular. So yeah, check it out on Disney Plus June 3rd. That's so fun. And you know what would be great is if we got a star from Hollywood Stargirl on our show, maybe Mm. coming up in the next couple weeks. I don't know, just uh, throwing it out there in the universe. Mm. I like it. I like it. Tony, what have you been up to? Well, you know, I didn't get to moderate a panel this week. However, I had a very (laughs) special guest on GMA this week. We always have special guests, of course, but the one and only Ewan McGregor was live in studio in Times Square. And I just truly, after watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer last week, it's all I've been thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) So good and can't wait for that one. So good to have him this week. Indeed. Jeffrey, what have you been up to? Well, I had a, a great weekend and they did a, an FYC for your consideration event for Loki. I am a voting member of the Television Academy, I am Ooh. proud to say. So I, I was able to attend this screening and then they did a talk back with friend of the pod, Tom Hiddleston, as well as some of the creatives behind the series. It was awesome. And then they did a reception where, of course, I, I was there with my fabulous friend Carly and we had to talk to Tom and the writer of Logie, Michael, who also wrote Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. What, Jeffrey, what is your life? You're saying all these things so casually, but like this is is pretty cool. We, of course, had to talk to them about Miss Piggy and Tom Hiddleston and that whole moment because it was, he was so funny and we're all obsessed with Miss Piggy is really what that all comes down to. Wow. But that was a lot of fun. So well done, Marvel Studios, Disney Plus, it was excellent. Speaking of some people who uh, live in Loki's galaxy, we'll say, coming up on the show, we have Disney Imagineer Wyatt Winter, who's going to walk us through all of the cool Easter eggs, the incredible innovation, and even how the song choices were made for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which opens this weekend officially at Walt Disney World Resort. And of course, one more plug, if you have not already watched our video special, we had so much fun making it. Even if you've watched it, watch it again. We do. We go behind (laughs) the scenes. So much fun. So listen uh, for Wyatt, and he reveals a lot of fun details coming up on the show. But first, we've got a lot of news to get to. So Sherry, what's up? Well, first up, 
happy belated National Streaming Day to all of you. <laughs> On National Streaming Day, Disney announced a whole slew of programming and revealed some details for Disney Plus and Hulu. Get ready, get excited. There's a lot coming. Baymax! Yes, it has an exclamation point at the end, so you have to say it with that much enthusiasm. <laughs> it's an all-new six-episode series that will stream exclusively on Disney Plus on June 29th, all about Baymax just wanting to help someone, whether they want it or not, in true Baymax fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the trailer on the Walt Disney Animation Studios YouTube. Next up, High School Musical, the musical, the series. Woohoo! Hey. Season four hey. has been ordered just ahead of its third season, which premieres July 27th, coming up. Then we've got Zombies 3. The Treequel premieres globally on July 15th, and then it will be on Disney Channel August 12th with additional bonus footage and a brand new Lost Song musical number. The soundtrack also has eight new songs, and that is also available on July 15th. So big summer coming up. So much. Glee! There's more! There's Glee! I'm saying all these titles like they have exclamation points at the end, because they should. <laughs> you well, I feel Glee when you say Glee. It is it Glee. definitely one of my favorite shows. Oh my gosh, it's an all-timer. All episodes of the popular musical dramedy will be available on Disney Plus and Hulu starting June 1st. And Love, Victor, all eight mm. episodes of the third and final season premiere on June 15th on Hulu and for the first time also on Disney+. And you can check out a new trailer for this season on Hulu's YouTube. Uh, I got all the feels when I watched that. I don't know if you guys watched it. it was, mm. I so loved. Big time. Uh, well, of course, there's more. I have trailer news, everybody. So listen up. First, the new trailer is finally here for Family Reboot, which you talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is, of course, executive produced by Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos. What a duo, number one. And the part about taking their phones and technology away from them makes me truly uncomfortable, but, <laughs> but it's something that makes it a one-of-a-kind series that, you know, helps families communicate and achieve their goals together. So it'll be very interesting to watch. The trailer was super fun. Mark calendars, you guys. All episodes will be streaming on Disney Plus on June 15th, so very soon. And speaking of more trailer news, Marvel fans... Assemble because <laughs> we have to talk about the new trailer for Thor, Love and Thunder. Did you I mean, watch it? Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> Quite literally blown away. I yes. mean, okay, yes, I was going to say, I, it, it, it really flicked me out. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. For those who live under a rock and are not familiar with this title, the new film finds Thor on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced, a search for self-discovery. What a storyline. So fun. Chris Hemsworth returns as Thor, of course, with supporting cast that includes Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, Christian Bale, and Russell Crowe. I love getting to see Russell Crowe and Christian Bale in this trailer for the first, like, as, you know, Zeus and the God Butcher. Like, that's, I think we it's... talked about that name. Like, that, that name yeah. just, like, literally <laughs> makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Oh, it's yes. so good. It's hit after hit after hit in this trailer. And we can't wait to watch this in theaters on July 8th. And the new trailer, of course, you can watch over and over and over um, at marvel.com. 
Well, over at Walt Disney World, the Eat to the Beat concert series lineup at Epcot has been announced. Yay! Yay. This is part of the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival presented by Corksicle, which Mm -hmm. starts July 14th and runs through November 19th. Yes, you should go every day if you are considering it. Well, honestly, the food is so good. And some of these performers. Yes, these performers. There are so many. You can find a whole list of upcoming musical artists at tasteepcot.com. But here are some highlights, guys. I am super excited. The Baja Men. Yes, the creators of Who Let the Dogs Out. (laughs) They will be there July 14th and 15th. Tiffany, (laughs) July 31st to August 1st. Air Supply, August Uh, 21st and 22nd. That takes me back. You know what takes me back? Hoobastank. That takes me back. Oh my to, gosh. Well, just a little oh while ago. All right. But All right. I have nostalgia for Hoobastank. They're still great. September 9th and 10th, Los Amigos Invisibles. They will be there September 16th and 17th. And Stokely will be there September 30th through October 1st. Again, there's more, more, more coming. So check it out online. There's Yay. a couple who I'm like, uh, Sheila E., first of all, the glamorous life amazing and bb mac coming in september yeah <laughs> so bb mac i love bb mac and back when i was a journalist i spent a day with bb mac of course and they they could not have been nicer they were just so sweet and like just like wildly talented and a very very uh unique kind of a day for sure <laughs> i can imagine hansen and boys to men they're also going to be there true oh, special place in my great. heart for both of those groups of boys Pixar fans, listen up. A sneak peek of Lightyear is coming to Disney Parks and Disney Cruise Line. So you can see a little snippet of it at Disney's Hollywood Studios and soon at Disneyland Paris and Disney Cruise Line. Check it out in theaters in full on June 17th. It's almost here, you guys. Yay. Amazing. Something coming this month to Disney World over at Disney Springs, they're going to be launching the Art Walk, a canvas of expression. It's going to have local artists and artists from around the world who are going to create murals that are going to fill the walls with color, emotion, the spirit of the cultures of the artists. It sounds beautiful. And I was really excited because one of the artists is Eric Tan, who is actually from SoCal and works for uh, our friends over at Disney Consumer Products. And he actually has designed some stuff over the years for D23. He is a fantastic artist. So can't wait to see what he creates as well as all the other artists. You can read more about them at the Disney Parks blog. How fun. Well, pack your bags, people, because... While we are not going sailing yet, National Geographic Expeditions has announced their full lineup of 2023 signature land itineraries. Looking at you, Jeffrey and Sherry. (laughs) These have always sounded amazing to me. I know. Uh, And like the signature land itineraries just alone just sounds incredible. But there are more than 30 places now to explore within this portfolio, which are custom design trips that give travelers rare access to places around the globe hosted by a National Geographic expert who's with you on the trip. So truly one of a kind. And you can get more, of course, at natgeoexpeditions.com. Yay. I'm ready to uh, head out, that's for sure. As well. Something that was announced I thought was very exciting. Coming to Disney Plus, 
an original documentary, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the final Elton John performances and the years that made his legend. So this doc is going to be capturing his final months on the road. He's doing his farewell concert and they're going to be filming what is has to be one of the greatest send offs planned in all rock and roll history when he performs his final North American show at Dodgers Stadium, which, of course, He's done some of his most iconic performances there actually at Dodger Stadium. So that is going to be amazing. It's being put together by Emmy winner RJ Cutler and a John's longtime partner, David Furnish. It sounds like it's going to be just a, a can't miss. So, mm. and you know what else is can't miss? Because I'm hearing a sound. Oh, I Ooh. hear that. Oh, we can't miss five fantastic things to watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at State Farm. For complete details and listings, visit d23.com. And remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jeffrey, what's up first? Well, in celebration of Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, why not sit down and watch a double feature? We're counting it as one. A double feature of Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 on Disney+. Plus. Woo! I love that. And next... On Saturday, May 28th at 9 a.m. Eastern on Disney Channel, it's the season finale of Owl House. Tell Dylan, get to a TV. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Also on Saturday, but at 7 p.m. Eastern on Freeform, check out Lilo and Stitch. This movie is like so weird in the most wonderful way. I love it so much <laughs> i mean it's it's not just weird it's magical and it's I magical mean... weird is a compliment in my book and gonzo's book fair enough also <laughs> there true you go and then hey on sunday why not catch the jungle book airing on freeform at 10 15 a.m eastern time it is the version directed by disney legend john favreau and starring neil sethi ben kingsley and bill murray And cap off the weekend with High School Musical 2 on Sunday night at 5 p.m. Eastern on Disney Channel. Get ready to relive the most epic scene of Zac Efron mad dancing in a golf course. You can bet on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On to our interview. And let me just say, we are full on spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Today we have with us an Imagineer who I have known for far longer than I'm sure he'd like. Over his more than 15 years with Disney, he worked with many of the galleries around Epcot, Jingle Cruise, the Big Thunder Mountain Refresh at Magic Kingdom, and Frozen Ever After. Today he's here with us to talk about the incredible Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which officially opens to guests this weekend. Please welcome to the show, Wyatt Winter. Hooray! (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, I actually already know the answer to this, but I need you to say it out loud for us. How many times have you written Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind? As of right now, I have been on it over 500 times. (gasps) Oh my gosh. (laughs) What? Wow, that's a new goal for me. Uh, It is 522, I think is my official number right now. Oh my gosh. And by the time this comes to air, who knows? You could have broken 600. It's goodness. And I think you don't even hold the record for most rides. (laughs) What? That is correct. Yeah. Alex Wright, our creative director on this project, he has me beat by just a couple. Wow. So it's been a game for the two of us to chase each other the whole time. Is he just like going on like now just to spite you at this point? Yeah. I think anytime (laughs) we're out of town or if someone was sick or anything like that, it's Go, go, go. Try and get on it. (laughs) (laughs) When did you start working on the attraction? So right after I finished Frozen Ever After and all the project at Norway Pavilion, I came on over just 
headed north across Epcot uh, to Universe of Energy. And, and so I spent a good part of the last eight, nine years now, I guess, at Epcot. But as you mentioned, even before that, with a lot of the galleries and World Showcase. So Epcot's kind of been my home at Walt Disney World for most of my Imagineering career. Hmm. Let's talk chicken and egg. Did the idea for the attraction come first and the Omni Coaster system was developed or had WDI been working on a cool new Omni Coaster system and this felt like the perfect fit for that? We had the idea for what we didn't even call it the Omni Coaster then, but a coaster that we could turn and rotate you into the show. So that idea, along with an idea for a coaster that was about the Big Bang, the singularity, um, and kind of going through the cosmos, those were two ideas that were out there. And then we got the assignment and thought of how do we put Guardians of the Galaxy here at Epcot. And so we kind of mashed all those ideas up together. And as you well know, no idea ever really dies around here at Disney. So that it just evolves. Another example. It just evolves. Exactly. Oh, that's a very, very cool. Certainly the development of Stuntronics was something that we, you know, love. And it's so incredible now to see that in action at Avengers Campus. And it's something that we're going to be able to potentially use in multiple ways. And, you know, how it's originally conceived and how it ultimately executed can be different and wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you really don't know when some of these ideas come out of just pure kind of napkin sketches or official R&D work, you don't know how they'll be used and totally shifts. And I think this was an example of that. Derek Howard from our team, part of the ride team, he was the one that was really working on this idea early on and the father, if you will, of this ride system. And his name is on the patent for it too. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So we spoke with Tom Fitzgerald during our video episode of the pod, available on YouTube right now, about some of the Easter eggs in the queue and the show. We know there are a lot of them for fans. Walt is not super hidden, but talk about him and some of the other things fans will find. Yeah, so I think it's important to us to try and connect this back to Epcot. And obviously one of those ways is Walt himself. And so we talk about Xandar had radial city plans, just like Epcot's original city plan. Some of the other things are much more hidden, some a little more obvious. Some of the planets that you see up in the Galaxarium, they've come out of the movies. We don't call them out specifically, but you can see them. So you might recognize them for those kind of hardcore fans that know all of that content. You'll see some of that there. We then reference some of the old Epcot attractions. You hear Star-Lord talk about that. Oh, I love when he's like, and the veggie fruit fruit. I was <laughs> yes. like crying in the queue with laughter. It's so funny. Yeah, because it's again, he's been gone from Terra. He doesn't know what's here, what's not here. It was a fun little homage that we wanted to play to this place. And kind of with Guardians, you can talk about some fun retro type things and blend these worlds because they're part of our world. And so a lot of our attractions you've gone somewhere else, you're in a different place, you're in a different world or a fantasy world. Here at Guardians and at Epcot, it's today, it's now. And so it was a fun thing for our teams and all of our partners because don't always get to do that. And I believe also some universe of energy references and maybe a turkey leg reference. Yeah, yep, yeah. We have a, maybe it might be the world's largest turkey leg that floats over you. It is a massive turkey leg that they wonder as the world mind wonders, like, what is with this turkey leg? And what is, what about the rest of this animal? <laughs> <laughs> so she asks about that. 
She also is very confused by why the Milky Way is named after a Terran dairy drink. It so doesn't quite understand that. Mm. But then Universe of Energy does have several nods throughout. So I think that was one. Obviously, we are at the old Universe of Energy location. And one of the ones that you see throughout is the old icon, the old energy icon, the circular kind of round shape one is throughout the attraction. So we used it as inspiration for new icons on the ships. You see that. So on graphics, you see them on the ride vehicles themselves. So that's a fun kind of thing throughout. We then also have some musical references. And that's my favorite one. It was the idea was born out of what would the guardians hear you when you first see the guardians fly in and they fly in you meet isan and you all come together before you head out and the big bang explodes we debated what was that song that they'd fly into because there's a line that he talks about isan's never going to take rock and roll away and so what would that song be and we didn't necessarily want it to just be a rock song that we all knew maybe it could be different and a couple of us, I think it's Alex Wright and myself had thought like, well, what if we could do Universe of Energy song or one of those original attraction songs in this rock version? Oh yeah. And so it was born out of that kind of grew. We have a full minute and a half plus version of that song done in this rock guitar feel that Tyler Bates, who helped do all the movie music and worked with us on the attraction, he and his team created that version and... It is awesome. I need this immediately on my phone to listen to when I work out. I, sounds... I think there needs to be like an alt version of the official Walt Disney World album where it's all the rock versions. We've done like jazz piano version stuff. Yeah. Now we have the rock version of all these park songs. That'd be fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> so this is fun. Terry Crews is also part of the pre-show queue. How did that happen? And tell us a little bit about his character. Terry Crews' character is Centurion Tal Merrick. And we wanted to, again, expand the university's characters. And luckily, working with studio partners, they were very open to that. We wanted to find a character and somebody that could play this kind of serious. He has a very serious role. He's running the Star Charter ship. He's helping chart the galaxies, but also have some humor because... The Guardians, everything's about some humor too. So as we started thinking about who would be actors, we had different names come up and think about different options. And Terry Crews kind of came to us, I'm not going to say out of the blue, but it was kind of a, oh yeah, that could be fun and snowballed very quickly last summer. And our studio partners loved the idea. We all got jazzed and he was excited too. And he was great to work with on set. He was very excited and we didn't know how much of a Disney Parks fan he was. I always love like finding like the surprising Disney Parks fan. Oh yeah. He major Disney Parks fan and was telling us stories about stuff. And as we explained the attraction, he was talking to us about Pirates of the Caribbean and Shanghai and riding Tron and all of this stuff. So he's gone to international parks as well. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So we've got to talk about the music. Six songs made it onto the attraction. How many songs did you test out for the attraction before you landed on those six? So I guess there's kind of two answers to that. We probably talked about and listened to Offboard a couple hundred songs, but we tested on the ride just a little over a hundred songs 
on the train itself. Oh my gosh. So wow. I mentioned I've done 522 rides. At least a hundred plus of those are single songs to see if it would work. And it was fascinating to see that we went in with all of our ideas of what would work. We'd laid them against our digital animatics and would listen, watch them on our computer screens or whatever kind of pre-visualization that we could do. Thinking, oh, this will be fun. Not a single one of those that we went in thinking would work made it to the final cut. Hmm. It changed so much when you add that physical, visceral movements to it. And we started understanding what worked, what didn't. And we wanted songs that obviously of that era, of the Guardian's time frame of his mixtapes, but also that people knew and understood. Sometimes they're a little more deep cuts in the films, but we wanted to make sure that the minute you launched out, you could start to know what song that was and kind of be able to sing or dance along to it. Yes, that would be me. <laughs> Do you have a favorite song that made it? My favorite is probably September. That's what I got. Followed by Conga. Conga uh, was one that we was debated amongst amongst ourselves, and I love that we got that one in there. And it just adds truly a different kind of flavor to it all. But September was the one that we first all said, like, this is it. If we could only get one song or only could have one song, it would be September because it worked on so many levels. But it went from there. You mentioned songs didn't make it, even ones you thought going in might be perfect. Is there a song you love that just didn't work for the attraction? There was a couple. There was some that very different feel. Uh, Aquarius, that was a different song that you would think that's a little different. It was really kind of fun and ethereal, but even talks about going around the moon. That was one I also would have loved to maybe have rickrolled people. Oh. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, yeah. Now I'm never going to give that up. <laughs> so you're creating Xandar and Novacore, places we have only seen on a screen before and bringing them into this dimensional life. What was that like? And did you work with Kevin Feige and his team? Yeah. So I think the fun part of this was that while we're creating Xandar and our Novacore ships, we weren't recreating an exact thing out of the films. And so it gave us leeway as Imagineers to bring some of our own design aesthetic to it, but definitely worked closely with Kevin and his team and others to kind of gut check with them. They were really great to work with. It was fun to kind of have that back and forth, but they also knew like, hey, Imagineers, you guys are top of what you do. They were excited to work with us as just as much as we were excited to work with them but almost everything we created was brand new, inspired by or referenced from stuff in the films, but there aren't always literal translations because there aren't a lot of Xandar places that you see in detail. There isn't a Star Charter ship. We invented a whole new ship that you get to go to. So from what the outside of the ship looks like in the queue to the inside, all of it inspired by things. One of it was the kiln that you see in the first movie, kind of the, the Novacore jail where all the guardians go that was heavy inspiration for the ship and then just xandar scenes and also epcot epcot itself was kind of inspiration for what did that pavilion look like we wanted to feel at home and another way to kind of pay homage to original epcot besides some literal references make it truly feel like this could be at epcot at any time in its existence 
Amazing. Woo! So we know you spent a lot of time perfecting the programming of when and how the cars turn. Is it possible to keep tweaking? Like for Jeffrey, who gets dizzy when his hair spins too quickly, could the cars be reprogrammed to like just face forward the whole time? Because this is a programmable yaw that we call it, which is that rotational function, in theory, it could be programmed in any position, any way. And so during these rides, we did it just straightforward and rode like that. I've done it backwards the entire time. I've done oh, it in all different oh, directions. You're hurting my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Our ride team programmed some just to try and confirm like every direction, what the forces would be no matter what. So it's in theory or not in theory. In fact, it is safe to ride any direction at any point. And so the track, the vehicle, all those forces, if you were to go any direction, it's safe for you to be on it that way. But yeah, in theory we could, and it, we could maybe down the road, new music, new media, new y'all profile and have a new experience. One of the great things about so many of the attractions that we are using that use new media is that they can be refreshed and reimagined more easily than some of the past, which is great. Yeah. I mean, Star Tours is the perfect example of that, of updating stuff as new thing happens. And in theory, there's no reason you couldn't do that here. We don't have plans for that right now, but <laughs> you could do that. So I know we say it's a reverse launch, which it is because you're backwards, but is it actually a reverse launch or is it a forward launch and you're all facing backwards? So it's both, I guess. It is truly you are launching reverse, but the coach is what turns and the chassis of the ride vehicle always is traveling forward. So it's different a little bit. So we have Expedition Everest here at Walt Disney World. You go reverse there too, but the whole chassis is going backwards because you have a track switch to achieve that moment. Here, we don't have any track switches at that launch, but we've rotated and turned you. So I guess you could see you're going forwards and backwards at the same time. <laughs> I mean, no wonder why I felt the way I did coming off the attraction. <laughs> Can you talk about filming the scenes with talent as well? Was there a funny or unexpected moment? Yeah, so it was great. We had two different sessions. We filmed Glenn Close and Terry Crews in Los Angeles last summer. And then last fall in Atlanta, right before they started filming the third Guardians film, we got all the Guardians and James Gunn on set. I think... As I briefly mentioned, learning that Terry Crews was such a Disney Parks fan was exciting for us because he was geeking out about now being in a Disney attraction. And then also when we were with our main guardians in Atlanta, you could tell that they appreciated what we did, loved playing these characters. It was our first time really back in costume. So they were kind of just having fun doing that too. And They've appeared in some other theme park attractions, including one for us. And so they knew what it meant to work. It's a different medium. What we do is this dimensional world that you step into. And so where they look for camera sight lines, how they engage is different than what they might do for a film. And they fully understood that when we're game to play and try different things and all of that, which was nice. Hmm. That's cool. Okay, we know you've done many, many interviews about the attraction. Is there something someone hasn't asked you that you wish they had? Oh, let's see. That's a good question. <laughs> I think one of the things that is interesting about 
any of our projects, but this one especially is going over multi years and the number of people that touch it. I think I've never really been asked how many people have worked on this project. And it's in truly, if you think of just Imagineers, it's probably upwards of 200 different Imagineers have touched it over the couple years. Then you layer in our well, Disney World partners or our actual vendors and contractors that work on it. There's a lot of people that bring this to life um, at all facets. And so it's kind of amazing to think about that because over six years and hundreds of people, you still get to this shared finish line that maybe doesn't always feel like you will because hmm. um, there's so many different parts and pieces and plates you got to keep spinning. And that's part of what my job is, is to help keep everyone on track. I joke that I herding cats, keeping everyone moving in the same direction. Sure. But getting to that point and just the volume of people and manpower and brain power it takes is kind of fascinating. Hmm. Yep. Now, when I first met you, it was when you were working on the refresh of One Man's Dream, now Walt Disney Presents at Disney's Hollywood Studios. There's so many incredible pieces of Disney history in that exhibit. Is there one that's your favorite? One of the things I love doing during that project is we discovered pieces of the original, it's a small world facade model. Oh, yeah. So Joyce Carlson, famous Imagineer. She's mm -hmm. based here in Florida and end of her career. Some of our Imagineers found in her garage pieces of that model. And we were able to match it up with the original pictures of Walt standing at that model. And she worked on all the small worlds around the world. And so finding that and kind of restoring it and putting it on display, I think something a lot of people might have missed and not paid attention to, but it was like this connection directly back to Walt, back to our park roots and what started so much for the parks. It was, that was a cool thing. That's amazing. Yeah. As people who listen to the show know, I love Christmas. Really any holiday is just a gateway to Christmas for me. And I love Jingle Cruise. <laughs> How did that all come together? Oh, Jingle Cruise. So we had some Imagineers in Glendale kind of come up with this high level idea. And so it had been shopped around a little bit. And then all of a sudden it was like, we want it now. We want it this year. I got a call and it was like, they want to do this project. And I think it was August or September and holidays around the parks start a little earlier. So mm -hmm. we had the first week of November, I think we had eight weeks to pull it together. Wow. And so, and we did both coasts and then we're able to go back the second year and really enhance both coasts even more so in part because it was such a fast project, but it was a fun project because we literally were hand hammering tin cans and out there in the middle of the night, putting stuff in the jungle, but it was really kind of this grassroots team project that pulled it off. I love that. Wow. There are, of course, lots of gags. Is there an inside gag that's part of the overlay that is very cool, but we may not have noticed? I think some of the fun things are, there's a menu right at the load station or where you get on the boat, rather. The one that's like chicken, tastes like chicken. Or actually yes. is chicken. Yeah, okay. like, it's like it starts out as turkey and it turns into all the other things. I think that's a fun one. Another one that was there at least for the first few years, I know, I think the queues shifted a little bit, but there was a list of kind of naughty and nice people 
and we pulled a lot of project team members and skippers that worked there then um, and that created the list so it kind of put some of those skippers into it because there's so much with jungle cruise and the skippers it's like they are a huge part of the show so they to kind of bring them in and get them excited about it was key to the success of that launching and being a now a kind of tradition at magic kingdom well i cannot believe we are at the end of our interview but this has been amazing and we ask every guest the same question and you've worked on a lot of projects and you've been a disney fan for even longer so what is your favorite disney memory Oh, my favorite Disney memory. Oh my gosh. I think one of my favorite Disney memories is truly being able to like see the stuff come to life and now live it on both sides or all sides of it. So I'm going to use an example of, I went many times to Magic Kingdom as a guest growing up, riding Big Thunder then getting to do the college program and work Big Thunder and then get to be an Imagineer and refresh Big Thunder. And I've done that twice now because I was a Jungle Cruise skipper. Went to Jungle Cruise as a Jungle Cruise skipper and then got to redo that there. And I also worked Turtle Talk in operations and helped build the new Turtle Talk theater. So oh, wow. to have done that multiple times, I think once is weird, not weird, but not common. Yeah. And to now to say I've done that like three times is something that I think I kind of cherish and tell myself how many people have done that? <laughs> not many, probably none, very few. <laughs> you maybe a roadie and a Baxter, who knows? <laughs> Wyatt, this is wonderful. Congratulations on the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, now opening at Epcot in World Discovery. We cannot wait to ride it again. I may need to take a couple of Dramamine, but still very excited. Thank you, and we cannot wait to see what's next. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. I mean, I really thought the attraction was great. I had a hard time doing it once just because of my tummy. So the fact that he has done it that many times... <laughs> I am in awe. I know you guys both did it many times. Oh, yes. I'm impressed. But it's, and many times it's still not enough. We got to go back on. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, thank you again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out d23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23. Inside, Inside Disney. Disney.